morning. The Bible reading today comes from Romans 9, verses 1 to 5. I'm reading from the NIV version, and you can find, find it on page 1917 in the Pew Bibles. And the heading is Paul's Anguish Over Israel. I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. What about uh, I just pray with you one more time before we look at this passage together. Dear Father, we pray. We pray in the name of our Saviour, Jesus. Uh, we pray in the one who is the king of glory, the one who sacrificed himself uh, for us uh, and through his death and rising uh, has brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of life. And um, so we're asking, uh, Father in heaven, would you please uh, shine light uh, into our hearts and lives now. Lord, bring strength to us, bring clarity, um, bring joy Please, Lord, uh, we ask that by your word and your spirit uh, that you be working in our midst because we need you, Lord. And we pray in the name of our, our Lord Jesus. Amen. I wonder what brings you um, pain. What brings you pain in your heart? What brings you uh, deep grief and, and anguish? Uh, the reason I ask that is this morning we're going to be talking about what brings uh, Paul, the man who wrote the book of Romans, what brings him uh, great anguish and pain. He was an apostle. That word apostle means that he was someone that was sent and uh, he was writing this uh, 50 or 60 years after Jesus. And we are looking at uh, a series in the book of Romans uh, starting from Romans chapter 9 because we've already preached um, from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 8 uh, some several months ago. And this series will probably take us right up to the new year. Um, before we just look at Romans chapter 9, I want to get us all up to speed and fly like a helicopter very quickly actually over Romans chapter 1 to 8. And to do that is almost like a travesty because there's so much in there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try. So in, you know that uh, Paul um, was writing to this city of Rome, a city that he had not visited. He was actually in Corinth. He was in Corinth for about uh, three months in 57 AD, and most people think that he was writing this from Corinth to the, the Christians, to the believers uh, in Rome. It, this book of, of Romans has been called 
probably one of the most important theological documents ever written of all time in any category. And so we're dealing now when we come to Romans chapter 9 some very really weighty things. And as we look in the next couple of weeks in Romans chapter 9, we are actually going to deal with some really weighty issues. And this morning is no exception. But Romans chapter 1 to 4 presents really the heart of the gospel. And the heart of the gospel is that our relationship with God is not built on all the wonderful things that we do. Lots and lots of good things. That's not how our relationship with God is built. Our relationship with God comes into existence because we are believing in the one that God has sent, in Christ, the Son of God, we be, in his death and his rising. That's how our relationship with God comes into existence. First of all, in the early parts of Romans, early chapters, Paul is not ashamed at all to give us some bad news. He doesn't step back from giving us the bad news. And the bad news is very bad. Romans chapter 3 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's this picture of God's actual wrath against humanity. For example, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godliness, godlessness and wickedness, against those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So God, early on in Romans, gives us some very bad news about all humanity. Bad news that there is an infection in our hearts, there is a blindness in our spiritual eyes, there is an entrapment for our souls, and it's, it's bad news. But then he brings the good news. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the, the, the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And that's the good news, that, that God has sent Christ and now we are justified. What does that mean? It means that we are put right with God, we are accepted into God's presence, into his arms, into his love. By what means? By all our good deeds? No. By God sending his son as uh, shedding his blood. <laughs> you are not here. You are not welcome into God's presence by any other means but that someone has shed their blood, namely Christ, and that you are welcomed in. You are welcomed in. Therefore, it says in Romans chapter 5, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and um, in this way... Death came to all people, but just as through the disobedience of one man, namely Adam, early on, many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one man, namely Christ, many will be made righteous. And so uh, Romans talks a lot about us who are believers being united with Christ. Amazing thing. <laughs> that you could be and I could be united with Christ, this incredible union of the believer with Christ somehow. 
in a mysterious way that we can't even comprehend, being united with him. And then in Romans chapter 8, sometimes called the Mount Everest of the Bible, um, you hear Paul saying that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. (laughs) If you're feeling condemnation, um, if you're feeling like, oh, there's things that I'm condemned for and that are crushing me, Paul wants to say for those that are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. (laughs) He says that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. And Paul now talks, turns his attention to the glory Do you know everyone in this room has experienced sufferings of different kind? This world is hard. But Paul calls us to a vision of the future which is quite magnificent. And he says, I I, I think that the sufferings of this world are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. And in verse 17, he says that I'm convinced, 18, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter what power, what hardship, what, what comes to you, there's nothing, nothing in all creation that could ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's Romans chapter 8. So now, this morning, when we turn to the very first verse in Romans chapter 9, we're going to be shocked because Paul has just been on this Everest of, of theological thinking and beauty. But now, listen to what verse 1 says in Romans chapter 9. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my spirit. Paul, you've just been talking about the most Incredible things that could have ever been spoken. The most amazing things that any human, the whole of humanity could have ever heard. And now you're talking about your sorrow in your heart, your grief, your anguish. Why, Paul? Why are you talking about the sorrow in your heart? Verse 2. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people for those of my own race, the people of Israel. This is truly a shocking statement that should make a stop. (laughs) Paul is saying, after all that he said about the beauty and the glory of Christ, after all that, Paul says, I could wish, I myself, he brings it right down to himself, I myself could wish... That, that I were cursed and cut off from Christ for my own race, the people of Israel. 
In different versions it says, my kinsman in the flesh. You know when you fill out the forms uh, when you're in hospital or you're going overseas for instance or something and it says, what's your next of kin? It's, it's, it's the, the person that you're related to, those that you're close to. And, and that's what Paul's talking about here. It's for those people that I'm related to, my own race, the people of Israel, because Paul himself was a Jew. What's going on here? What's going on is that Paul is a Jew and he knows that all of Israel have received so much from God, received so much from of the riches of God, but they haven't received Jesus. <laughs> Many of them are rejecting Christ. So... In verse 4 it says, he's talking about his own people and he lists eight of the great privileges over the centuries that God has been pouring out on his own people. Listen to what he says. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants the receiving of the law, the temple worship, the promises. Theirs is the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. But Paul is saying, my people, those, my own kin, my own race, they've received so much over the centuries. They've received sonship. God has treated them like sons. They've received divine glory. No other nation had God revealing himself to them by just shining forth in glory. Theirs are the covenants, and I love the covenants. That God gave a covenant with these people. He made a promise with them. And God gave it to my own people, Paul's saying. Theirs is the receiving of the law. The law that they were given by God so that they would look different from every other nation. Theirs is the temple worship. The beautiful temple with gold and with timber and cedar and and all the magnificence of the temple and the worship to sacrifice that people would be made right with God. Theirs are the promises. No one had received promises like the people of Israel had received promises. Theirs are the patriarchs like David and Moses and Abraham, the prophets. God had given them all these things and theirs, through them, through the people of Israel, God had given the human ancestry of Christ. So Jesus was born as a Jew. He was their Messiah. He was given to the Jews. He'd given that they had received all these privileges, and now Paul is saying, "I'm broken. I'm cut to the heart, because now when God has fulfilled it all in Christ, they've rejected Him. The temple were pointed to Christ." Uh, the, the patriarchs all pointed to Christ. Uh, the, the divine glory was appointing to Christ. All the promises were promises of Christ. And now when it all comes down to it and God brings his own son and he dies and rises again, he's, they reject they reject it. And Paul is saying, I've just got this anguish in my heart that they've rejected. Because Gentiles, when he's writing to the book of to the Romans, the Romans are receiving this. They are, they're gobbling it up that, that, that they have got an, a way into the kingdom, into the kingdom of light. They're believing in Jesus. But the Jews, 
Many of them, many, even to this day, many are not receiving the Messiah. Do you remember what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12? It says, He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus was a Jew. He was born amongst the Jews. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. So I want to ask you then this morning to think with me some of the things that we can learn from Paul's broken heart. Number one, to be separate from Christ is the worst thing. To be, to be included in Christ is the most magnificent thing that you could ever have, to be included in Christ. It, it exceeds every wealth that you could accumulate. It exceeds every honour that you could receive in this world. It, could, it, it exceeds any accolades of academic achievement. Anything that this world can give is nothing compared to being accepted in Christ. It's the most precious thing. And to be excluded from that is the worst thing because Paul's grief is deep. He says, I could wish myself to be cut off. I could wish myself to be accursed if only my kinsmen, my own people, could come to love Christ. There's people in this room and people that you're close to um, they're not in. They don't love Christ. And Paul is so grieved that he says, I will be prepared to throw myself off the cliff, as it were, and myself to be cut off from Christ and to be cursed. If only, if only these people, my own people, would come to believe. Notice there's something that divides and separates in the gospel. Because this is heavy. But Paul is saying they are cursed and cut off and he's broken. He's absolutely broken because they're out. <laughs> they're not in. I mean, there's something that divides and separates. Do you remember what Jesus says? He says, do you think that I came to bring peace to the earth? This is shocking. We don't want to hear it. But it's what Jesus says. Do you think I came to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other and three against two against each other. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What's happening? Jesus says, I didn't bring, I'm bringing a separation between those that are out and those that are in. And Paul is saying, I'm grieved that my people are out. I long for them to be in. I long for them to be in. Two compartments. The, the division is really profound. It's between life and death. 
It's been between darkness and light. And Paul, his heart. Notice that the old relationships still exist though. And this is important for us to know. Because we've got, haven't you, or every single one of us got relationships that they're not in. You love them. And Paul loved the, the people that, that in, 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 in he, 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 they were his friends, his deepest. He knew them from childhood. He loved them. He doesn't attack them. He doesn't denounce them. He doesn't despise them. He doesn't. He doesn't say anything nasty about them. He just grieves that they can't see. And so too for us. we got people that, that don't love Jesus, many of us. And our response is not to despise them and laugh at them. and thump. That's not our response at all. Our response needs to be like Paul's. To long for them. Those relationships for Paul still exist. But he's longing that they would come to know the Saviour. Do you see what this means about Paul's own relationship with Jesus? That for him, this is not just um, an intellectual exercise. What do I mean? Well, he could say, well, here's all my theology and I understand it intellectually and, um, yep, that's the way it is. And he closes the book and it doesn't touch him at all. <laughs> but that's not how it is for Paul. His knowledge of Jesus, his encounter and experiential knowledge of Christ is so deep that he is touched. He's touched by the truth of Christ. He's drunk in the glories of Christ and he grieves at someone being accursed and cut off from Christ. It just totally breaks his heart and consumes him. And this is a little bit of an indication of our own spiritual state, mine and yours. I'm sorry to tell you this. Some of you um, grieve over the lost. And it's good. I want you to know it's a healthy thing, but your hearts are breaking. It's an indication of our own spiritual state. When we don't care, when it's nothing to us, when we, it's not something that even crosses our mind that we could not care less, that's, that is an indication of something deeply wrong. But Paul's grief here, his anguish, shows that he knows Jesus very, very deeply, that he has loved Jesus and that he longs for Jesus to touch other people's lives as well. Let me say, lastly, something about Paul's desire for substitution. Because Paul says, I could wish... I wonder, could you even imagine saying this? Paul says, I could wish that I myself were cut off from Christ and cursed if 
only my people could come in and know Christ. It, it echoes something in Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 32, um, it's that incident, that most terrible incident of the golden calf. And Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God to receive the Ten Commandments. And the people of Israel are down the bottom and they sort of, oh, he's gone for a long time. I know what we'll do. We'll get some gold together. And they build the golden calf and they worshipping this calf and say, this is the God that brought us up out of Egypt. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's like they're totally giving themselves to um, an idol. And the God that did bring them out is, is the living one. And God is really unhappy and he says, I'm just going to destroy them. I'm just going to totally destroy them. And this is what Moses says. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sins. But if not, then blot me out of the book that you have written. Moses says to God, Please, God, please, please forgive them sins. But if not, then blot me out. I'll be the substitute. I'll be the one. But, but please forgive them. And do you see the similarities of Paul? Paul's just crying out to God, God, I could almost wish that I myself could be accursed and cut off from Christ. If only, if only these people could come and taste and know that God is true. What, what Paul desires for his people, almost a sense of, I wish I could be the one that would suffer. And what Moses desires for his people, I wish I could be the one. Neither of them were the substitute. But Jesus is the one who actually does become a substitute for us because Jesus gives himself on the cross in our place for our forgiveness. He, he gives himself in our place that we would not suffer. It's very important for us to know that Jesus has given himself totally. And what God is calling on each one of us to do is to turn away from idols, all the idols of this world that capture our hearts and they're, they're so insignificant and small compared to Christ. And to turn to him and say, Lord Jesus, we're turning to you. You have given yourself, you've put yourself in my place so that I don't get punished so that I don't get cursed, so that I don't get lost. And we're coming by faith and trusting him. And do you know Christ's blood covers you, sets you free, brings you into his kingdom, and there's no riches. I don't care what's attracting you in this world as what you think is tremendously valuable. There's no riches so great as the riches that come from God through the hand of Christ, through the death and resurrection of Christ. It's the most precious thing of all. Can I then encourage you um, 
to be like Paul. Where your heart is not broken, to say, Lord, please break my heart for those that I love that are outside the kingdom. Um, I want to be more like that myself. I really do. Um, to say, Lord, whatever you've got to do in my life that others might know somehow, Lord, that they might come. Because Paul's life, it's an extraordinary life. He gets beaten. <laughs> it says that he is beaten by 39 lashes. He, he is shipwrecked. He, he is rejected by the Jews. You would think if anyone is angry at the Jews, it would be Paul. He is just so smashed all his life. You think he would have bitter words to them, but that's not his words at all. It is just a weeping and a grieving, unceasing anguish is his words, that they might come to know the Saviour and know the King. Let me pray.